um, because a lot of the a lot of what we need to survive the winter to come is already with us. Um, it's just in different organizations and in different minds and in different heads. And you know, it's can you pick the brains of those people who are who have thought deeply about credit card processing yeah. when that's an issue. Um, one of one of the things that I found with my first blog and now with Donor Voice is ask strings. There was not a lot that was written out there, and so I wrote a white paper on that that um, is some of the most used blog post content and some of the most used white paper content at uh, Donor Voice. And it's filling those niches so that we all have the knowledge, each of us has the knowledge that all of us have. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. I am your host, Justin McCord. Um, yeah, excited for you to be with us today. This is the second episode in season three of Group Thinkers, and it's a fun one as I chat with Nick Ellinger from the Donor Voice team and the Agitator blog. Nick and I sat down in August at the ANA conference in Chicago. Uh, you'll hear us mention that, but just as a, a note before we get into it, uh, we're in the side room and, at the conference, you know, hotel, uh, downtown landscape. And so got a lot of sirens, some construction noise and, and all that kind of stuff. So just a warning in advance that you're going to uh, need to fight through that. Not in a great way, but, you know, just want to let you know. So if this is your first time checking out Group Thinkers, you've found your way to a podcast created by RKD Group, which is a multi-channel marketing and fundraising services company. And on each and every episode of Group Thinkers, we chat with innovators and um, really people who are doing things different in the nonprofit marketing space. People who are tackling today's marketing challenges with a unique perspective. Uh, and, and Nick is certainly someone with a unique perspective. Uh, Nick's the Vice President of Marketing Strategy for Donor Voice. He's also spent time on the nonprofit side. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, he's a regular contributor to The Agitator, which is really kind of one of the preeminent blogs for nonprofit marketers. It's got quite the, the following, maybe even a cult following, some might say. So on this episode of, of Group Thinkers, we're going to talk about Nick's journey. We're going to talk about how that journey has informed his perspective on the industry and also helped him organize his thoughts for his new book, which is called The New Nonprofit, and it's available now on Amazon. So last thing before we get into the episode, uh, love to have you connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Group Thinkers on both, and uh, there we talk about the episodes. Uh, so we drop these episodes now on season three. We're dropping on Tuesdays. And so uh, in between each of our Tuesdays, we've got plenty of conversation about the guests and uh, about their thinking and how it's continuing to change, challenge, or inform what we're doing. So uh, let's get into it. Here's Nick Ellinger on Group Thinkers. So, uh, Nick Ellinger, welcome to Group Thinkers. Thank you. Uh, this is fun. We're recording in a side room at the ANA Chicago Nonprofit Conference. We found some sort of a quiet space, but yep. for anyone listening, if there's sirens or whatever, you know, just bear with us because that happens in, in big cities. Um, Nick, 
uh, you're a uh, blogger and a, a great thinker in the nonprofit space. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you today, talk about the blog, talk about the book that's out now. Uh, but I want to start with your journey. Uh, and so just give me the, the landscape and background of how you um, got to Donor Voice and, uh, and your roles prior to that. Sure. So how I got into the nonprofit world, I had been working in marketing for a few years after my MBA. My then girlfriend, my wife, moved to D.C. and I quit my job to go there and be with her. And I thought, oh, I'm going to work in politics. I'm going to work on the Hill. Uh, was working on that idea for a while and then I saw a job listing for Mothers Against Drunk Driving and I had been a MAD member since I was yay high. I'm sorry, this is an audio medium. What am I doing? <laughs> you uh, you can since, say yay high. Since I, was, since I was 10 years old, I've been a MAD <laughs> member. And so um, when I saw the job listing, it was like that moment in South Pacific where the two lovers' eyes meet, you know, some enchanted evening. I said, this is the job that I have to have. So for... Uh, went, applied, got that job, and for uh, a little over four years, I ran mad state legislative efforts in the public policy office. Then um, one day at the uh, mad walk, I was there with the CEO, and I knew that the chief development officer had left, and there was some turnover there, and I said, you know, I've done some direct mail before, I've done some online marketing before. If you need any help in these areas, you need me to pitch in, let me know. And those of you who have uh, worked in nonprofits know exactly the trap that I fell into <laughs> at that point. Uh, you volunteer for something, it is certainly yours to do. So mm -hmm. a few months later, I was moving to Dallas, the national headquarters of MAD, and I was taking on a job that hadn't been named yet, but ran the direct marketing program and eventually took on some other aspects to it. Um, and it was a steep learning curve for me at first. Um, I say that I'm very fortunate that in my first year, the success of one of my big ideas paid for the abject failure of the other two. Um, and that's pretty good batting average, though. Uh, you know, one out of three is, is not bad. Well, I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you learn these things as you go. But yeah. I ran uh, MAD's direct marketing program for almost a decade, uh, was interim chief development officer three times, interim head of communications twice. State executive director interim uh, in a couple of cases, helped with program development, stewarded some of our big corporate sponsors, and it was a great environment to uh, learn in a lot of different aspects of development. Um, but when I saw the opportunity to come over to Donor Voice, I'd been with MAD 14 years at that point. That's um, and uh, anyone who has worked or volunteered with MAD knows that a it's the most some of the most rewarding work that you can do, and B is that mad years are kind of like dog years, and so uh, you, uh, it was it was time for me to make a move. And Donor Voice, I felt, was doing a lot of the most innovative things in donor management around the identity of the donor, around satisfaction, about what creates commitment to an organization, and I really wanted to be in that type of environment. So it's been three years with Donor Voice, loved uh, almost every minute of it. And uh, you, you've taken on, uh, you know, as a part of your role, you contribute to the agitator. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, and I mentioned earlier, and I do consider you to be one of, if not the most prolific blogger in the nonprofit marketing space. Uh, and, you know, the agitator plays such a, an important role 
yeah. in the nonprofit marketing space to, in fact, agitate, yeah. right? To to bring up uh, current events and topics and, and that sort of thing. But I, I, you know, I find your writing style in particular is unique. It doesn't, you know, it fits in the overall agitator brand and tone. But I love that it's so conversational and you weave in, uh, you know pop culture references, like you just did a second ago with South Pacific, you bring in moments of real life. Talk about that, that writing style, that, that conversational tone uh, and where that comes from. Well, um, actually, when during um, my work at MAD, um, I was in my final year at MAD, I was traveling, I was living in Tennessee and traveling down to Texas one week out of every month. Um, and I would have nothing to do in the hotel room. And I said, you know, I really want to start organizing my thoughts around direct marketing. And I find that writing is a good way of doing that. So I started my own blog at the time. It's still up if you want to see uh, kind of embarrassing early work at directedonor.com. But um, part of the goal of that was for me to crystallize my own thinking and also to improve on writing. And I found that if I wrote solidly in the hotel room, I could get a week's worth of content, I could get three weeks worth of content in one week writing there. And then in order to fill in the other week, I, the other three weeks I could use to write one week worth of content when I was home with my family. And so writing for a blog at that point every day was a really good exercise for me and I figured out what worked and what didn't and topics that worked and didn't. And one of the great things was Part of my first ever people actually read it was when one of the items was featured but in The Agitator. I'd been an Agitator readers for, for years, and it was one of those, oh my gosh, I have had a hundred people come to my blog today because of this pickup. And so uh, Roger and I started, I thanked him for that, and we started discussing based on that. And so to be able to write for the agitator now is kind of like, um, you know, the minor league pitcher being called up to play in the majors. I'm still kind of awestruck by, oh my gosh, I'm in uh, blogging equivalent of Fenway or Yankee Stadium. Um, it's uh, just so gratifying to be part of the big leagues. Um, so my style was developed there. I figured um, I might as well write how I talk and try to bring in those ideas from other spaces um, to make the ideas more relevant to an audience as that's how I think about them at least. And hopefully that, uh, that engages with people. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and uh, I love it and I, you know, I think that it does come across in the same way that we, we talk and that's important, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I would say there's also uh, a, a, almost a Cameron Crowe style to it uh, you know the, the great movie writer of bringing in things that are around you, both real life, things that you listen to, things that you watch, those sort of things, and so it it endears, uh, you know, some reasons. It definitely endears me towards the the content. Um, what's the muse? So you're no longer spending that time in a hotel, yeah. or not as much. So now, what's your muse around content? Well, it can really be anything. I try to use. Uh, Pocket, some people like Evernote, I really never picked up on that as much, but Pocket allows you to bookmark sites for later use. And um, there's a great power in having a deadline in that producing content on a regular basis 
you look anywhere for uh, different conversation, uh, for that opportunity to have something that will latch on to a greater theme. And so my wife and I will be uh, joking around, she'll have an experience uh, with customer service out in the wild, and she's like, that'll, that'll get into the blog someday. And it's like, yes, yes, it will eventually get into the blog. So there are those real life experiences. There are the things that you see when you're surfing the web. There's a great study out. What's our take on it? There's, um, I had this conversation with someone who is having challenges with their board member. Um, is this in a place where I can talk about it? You know, getting permission from right. that person to anonymize it. But those sorts of everyday interactions are a large part of it. And then that is mixed with Donor Voice has a very particular worldview around let's focus on the donor. Let's focus on what builds commitment for that donor. Let's try to get both in the acquisition and keep in the retention those committed donors by focusing on who they are as it relates to how they give. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that is a thread that runs through a lot of the writing, a lot of the blog posts, and so any lever that you can use to get to that greater message is one that I try to pull. This episode of Group Thinkers is brought to you by the RKD Group blog. You might be listening on a mobile device right now, and if so, you can go ahead and open up a browser window and visit rkdgroup.com slash blog. When you get there, you're gonna find all sorts of resources tackling issues that are current in the nonprofit marketing space. There's channel specific resources focused on direct mail, digital, multi-channel and even omni-channel. There's also hot topics like GDPR, mid-level, digital media, look back windows, and more. It's all over at rkdgroup.com slash blog. And now back to group thinkers. Uh, that greater message and that ethos has yeah. now turned into a larger project with your book that was released just recently, The New Nonprofit. Yep. So talk to us a little bit about the formation of this project, how it came about. You and I were talking earlier about how it, you know, in some ways took on a life of its own. Yep. Well, the original concept for it was we have all of these blog posts out there. Could we stitch them together into book format and create... Um, get a wider readership so that these ideas get more into the zeitgeist. Well, as I started to do that, it's like, oh, this idea needs more fleshing out. I'll write on that. Oh, there's a separate idea around mergers and acquisitions that we haven't explored in the blog, but still is worthwhile to talk about. And so it did take on a lot of uh, a life of its own. And so there's some of the DNA from the agitator in there, but there's a lot of original writing in there to um, stitch together six different models that a nonprofit can use to help the, create that more committed donors, raise more money, and do more mission. And so there are things about how much, how much uh, rope do you give volunteers? How do we function as a sector into our organization, how it relates to other organizations, and can we create an organizational ecosystem that benefits our donor? How do we collect donor preferences and react to those. So all of those ideas that started with uh, the agitator and with Donor Voice's research, you'll see a lot of Donor Voice clients in there as well as research from social sciences um, to try to bring through and say, this is something that works. And my goal is 
And I actually put this in the footnotes. Um, so in the Godfather uh, movies, Francis Ford Coppola always has a scene cooking. And he said, I did that because if they get nothing else out of the movie, they get a recipe that they can mm -hmm. take home and do. And the, that's part of the idea of the book. Like, even if you can't do a full force media organization nonprofit, you can take this one idea, use it for lead generation, bring new people into the organization and create revenue, or at least test that. Yeah, so, so it, it's, it's fascinating because it, it challenges the status quo. And you were so kind to, to give me a, a, a look at it prior to the publish, and yeah. it's a great read. And it does challenge the, the status quo in terms of like the overarching models and paradigms that nonprofits sit in. Yeah. But to your point, it also offers up these recipes and I think that that's this really beautiful balance between the two. And as uh, listeners are picking up the book, they need to look at the footnotes because there's a lot of great gems that you work into the footnotes uh, uh, that keep you uh, entertained along the way as well. Well, thank you. Um, there was a lot of debate about the footnotes, and uh, this is probably more inside baseball and book publishing process than anyone would want to have. But I originally had the citation footnotes and the more humorous aside footnotes in the same place. Mm -hmm. And there were over 500 of them. <laughs> nope, this is overwhelming. We need to move a bunch of this to the end. Yeah. And so hopefully in the text is only the, the fun stuff. And then a lot of it is then cited back to if you want to read the original study or learn more about the topic, there's citations, there's links, there's all of that right. to be able to have that broader experience. So the, the process of writing the book and now the three years that you have spent at Donor Voice, um, you, you've certainly, I would assume that your perspective on the greater nonprofit landscape has evolved from your decade plus at MAD into now seeing the larger nonprofit landscape yep. and even tying back to your early aspirations of working on the Hill. Yeah. Uh, and so just talk about what that perspective looks like now, especially since we're walking into a troubling fundraising climate. If we're not already in one, the next 18 to 36 months could be rather interesting for us. Talk about your perspective on the landscape as a whole, given yeah. all of these factors. It's a little like um, uh, walking into Oz, where you're seeing in color... Uh, the MAD experience it was a great one and gave me very deep insights into one organization. And now you're able to see other organizations and how they're functioning in different models. And there's a lot of, wow, I wish I'd had this when I was at MAD. And there's a lot of, wow, this person could use the solutions that I had at MAD. And so um, I, I think there's there's a lot of sometimes grass is greener and sometimes the grass actually is green, <laughs> uh, greener. And those interplay for all of our organizations. All of our organizations that I've seen are, some of them will specialize and be particularly advanced and this one's doing a great job of uh, getting uh, gifts through wills. Mm -hmm. And their direct marketing program is suffering. Right. Or vice versa. And so it's, how can all of these organizations learn from each other mm. and learn the um, because a lot of the a lot of what we need to survive the winter to come is already with us um, it's just in different organizations and in different minds and in different heads and you know it's can you pick the brains of those people who are 
who have thought deeply about credit card processing yeah. when that's an issue. Um, one, of, one of the things that I found with my first blog and now with Donor Voice is ask strings. There was not a lot that was written out there and so I wrote a white paper on that that um, is some of the most used blog post content and some of the most used white paper content at uh, Donor Voice. And it's filling those niches so that we all have the knowledge, each of us has the knowledge that all of us have. Yeah. And that's what's going to sustain us. Of course, donor voice clients are a cut above the average nonprofit. <laughs> and uh, the, the next tier is those who are going to become donor voice clients. And that's <laughs> a great thing. But how do we get that knowledge out there? And one of the things that I'm really excited about with our set of clients is they're very willing to share hmm. those types of things, the, the good and the bad, uh, what behavioral science tricks have uh, they picked up both at the tactical level and at the very broad beyond the nudge level that can be shared with the greater community. And so that I think is a big part of it. But then within each organization, beyond that learning, um, the there's the old saying that the best place to store food is in the belly of your neighbor hmm. because that is the person that's going to come back to you. For, for we nonprofits, the best place that we can store our excess reserves is in our donors. Hmm. And that's not just in quantity of donors, that's in quality of donors. Mm -hmm. One of the things that my mindset has changed the most on is in what I follow most in terms of metrics. Hmm. Thinking about cost to acquire is very good, but if the donors that you are acquiring for that cost are not the people who believe and believe at a deep level in the right. organization or aren't the people that can become that, that's a very different acquisition than the person that you may pay more for, but is someone who can become a true believer because of their identity in the organization. Sure. And there are examples throughout the Agitator blog and throughout the book and through donor voice clients where people who, disease organization is an easy example. So people who personally have the disease or know someone, uh, love someone with that disease right. are going to be give twice as more in lifetime value, be far more committed to the organization, be the monthly donors, legacy donors, all of those sorts of things. And so you should be willing to pay more to acquire those folks and right. cultivate them than you would someone who has no disease experience. Sure, absolutely. And then within organizations, classic one for an animal organization is you have cat people and you have dog people. If you can learn what that is up front and tailor that message to them, that's knowledge that will never go away it will likely never change. And it's something that you will be able to make more revenue every time you communicate with that person. And bonus, make them happier because you have that information. And so it's this learning process that Donor Voice facilitates. It's learning about what actually adds to commitment. That's another Donor Voice product. But whether you do it with Donor Voice or with someone else, it's learning about the donor to be able to make their experience better, make them give you more, and make them happier giving you more. I mean, you're really talking about just um, 
deepening a relationship. Like yes. if, if you if you separate the label on it and you think of the people in your own personal life. Yes. You know the people I'm closest to, I text with versus yes. other means of communication. Yeah. Or you know the people I'm really close to, I answer whenever they call. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you talk to them more regularly, and therefore when you need something. They can anticipate it and they'll respond to it. And it's the same principles, but doing it at a larger scale. Yes. Yeah. It, it's it's taking it out. It's taking that relationship out of where it's lived in a, okay, that's what we do with major donors. That's right. what we do with mid-level donors. And it's how do we create that relationship, but on a mass level? Mm-hmm. Because you aren't going to be able to address 25,000 250,000, 2 million people sure. differently at an individual level, but you can learn what they're willing to tell you right. and react based on that. We know that while overall donor numbers are falling and falling in scary ways, mm-hmm. there are growth areas. Mm-hmm. Monthly donors are growing. Mm-hmm. Major donors are growing. Bequest donors are growing. And the common thread that all of those have are those are people who are uniquely committed to the organization. Yes, high belief, high familiarity. High belief, high familiarity, usually an identity connection to the organization. It's part of who they are. And usually they're people who have had a satisfying relationship with the organization and a relationship that has over time built their commitment to the organization. Those are the people that if there is a recession tomorrow or if it's in five years, if there's tough times for a family, you um, that those organizations are the ones that you keep commitments to, where others will fall by the wayside. Absolutely, it's good stuff, man. And and there's a lot of this stuff in the book. Um, you know, there's a lot, especially in the mergers, mergers and acquisition side, that dovetails with a, a conversation that I had recently with Vule from Nonprofit AF and his yeah. idea of the, the Nonprofit Hunger Games of us working together. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even the events like the one where we're at today, the, you know, the ANA Chicago Nonprofit Conference, give us a chance to come together yeah. and share and collaborate on those different ideas so that we can prepare for that winter to come as you referenced now and as you referenced in the book. Yep. And the great thing is that there are nonprofits already out there leading on these issues. Like I said before, no nonprofit, I would say, is leading on all of them simultaneously. But you look at the merger that's created the Canadian Cancer Society has helped them cut their costs and go from almost being out of business to being uh, revenue surplus. You see it here in the United States with... uh, uh, partnership to um, for uh, drug free kids partnering with um, I'm blanking now, uh, <laughs> but uh, the greater treatment ecos system, and that wasn't one that was born right. of necessity, right? That was one that they saw mutual advantage. They started working together, building those bridges. And then they said, we, will, we are better together than farther apart. Yeah, I mean, in the last three years, the, there's been two Parkinson's organizations come together to yep. form one Parkinson's organization. And that doesn't yes. mean that everyone has to fold up into each other, right. but it's about stop working against each other and work together. Yes, and you need not merge in order to do those sorts of things. There are uh, ideas for alliances that you can have of mutual Absolutely. benefit. Like right now, uh, in the direct marketing sphere, in order to... Um, share lists, you go buy, you go trade, you go on an open market and there's a middleman in uh, in the middle. 
if you can build those relationships with other, other organizations, that can be something that's organic, that can be something that is actually facilitated by the donor. They will tell you, hey, I have both a Boy Scout and a Girl Scout in my house, so um, one organization can benefit from the knowledge of the other. Those sorts of ecosystems will only benefit us and benefit our donors. Yeah. And so it's these types of great win-wins where we're not trying to have extractive relationships with right. our donors, but ones of mutual benefit. So last question, uh, just where can, where can folks connect with you online? Where can they find you? How can they uh, connect with you? Sure. So uh, the Agitator blog that we've talked a little bit about is at agitator.thedonorvoice.com. Um, I'm always blogging there. Uh, love to read the comments. Love to take in those comments. You can always email me at nellinger at thedonorvoice.com. And then I'm active on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Um, also on Facebook, but that's more friends and family type stuff. Um, love to engage with you in any of those realms and see how we can work together. Awesome. Nick, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, that's the uh, that's the chat with Nick. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't too bad. Not too many sirens. Only a couple times. It's funny going back and listening to it. I could tell where where Nick and I were actually trying to fight through and focus on our conversation, even with the ambient cityscape uh, being not so ambient behind us. So uh, Nick is a sweetheart of a person. I really appreciate him taking the time to to sit down in the midst of a busy conference to chat. Um, such a compelling writer and thinker. And, you know, if you're not a subscriber to The Agitator, uh, I'd suggest that you uh, hit them up on their website and uh, then you can have The Agitator delivered to your inbox a couple times a week uh, from both Nick and the other contributors at The Agitator. Uh, and be sure to check out Nick's book, uh, The New Nonprofit. You can get you know, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's you know, definitely something that as you're going through this December fundraising season, if you've got time planned to get away, um, it would be a refresher for you, right? It would be uh, great for you to dive into next models uh, and and pull some ideas outside uh, out of his book and, and then put those back into practice for your strategies going into the new year. So check out his uh, check out his book. And if you do, pay special attention to those footnotes. There's some great little Easter eggs as a part of that. Uh, last thing mentioned at the uh, at the top, I just want to also bring it up here. Uh, love to have you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Group Thinkers. Uh, give us a shout out there. And uh, yeah, that's it. So thanks for checking out this episode and we'll see you down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, what's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.